0: Carl. If you have your Bibles, this morning I invite you to turn to the Gospel of Mark, Mark chapter uh, 14. And in Mark chapter 14, we're uh, working our way through the Gospel of Mark and uh, we're getting t- toward the end of the story. Uh, and so, you know, if you're like me, you may be tempted to say, let's skip ahead uh, and see what happens at the end. Uh, of the story, um, probably I'm the only one that ever does that, uh, but I do. I'm reading a mystery novel, you know, if it's getting really good, I'm I i can not wait. I say, who on earth did it? I'll go to the last couple chapters, and peek, uh, and then say, ooh, uh, you know, because uh, most of the time I don't have it figured out. Uh, but we're here. Uh, Jesus is meeting with his disciples. Uh, Remember, as we left him uh, last week, uh, there was the celebration uh, at uh, the house of Judas, and uh, Mary uh, anointed Jesus for burial, and Judas plotted uh, to betray Jesus. Um, And so that's what the first part of this chapter was about. We're going to pick up this morning... In verse 12, it says, Now on the first day of unleavened bread, when they killed the Passover lamb, uh, his disciples said to him, Where do you want us to go to prepare the Passover uh, that we may eat the Passover? And he sent out two of his disciples and said to them, Go into the city, and a man will meet you carrying a pitcher of water. Follow him. Wherever he goes in, say to the master of the house, the teacher says, Where is the guest room in which I may eat the Passover with my disciples? Then he will show you a large upper room, furnished and prepared. There, make ready for us. So his disciples went out and came into the city and found it, just as he had said to them. And they prepared the Passover In the evening he came with the twelve, and now as they sat and ate, Jesus said, Assuredly, I say to you, one of you who eats with me will betray me. And they began to be sorrowful and to say to him one by one, Is it I? And another said, Is it I? He answered and said to them, It is the one of the twelve who dips with me in the dish. The Son of Man indeed goes, as it is written of him, but woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been good for that man if he had never been born. And as they were eating, Jesus took bread, blessed and broke it, and gave it to them, and said, Take, eat, this is my body. Then he took the cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and they all drank from it. And when he said to them, "This is my blood of the New covenant, which is shed for many, assuredly I say to you, I will no longer drink of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God." And we'll stop there uh, for now. We'll pick verse 26 up at the. End. So at Jesus gathering with the Passover, and uh, just to remind us and kind of set the stage, the Passover. Uh, was the high point of the Jewish year. Uh, remember, you read the book of Exodus where the Passover uh, was uh, instituted. Uh, they were children of Israel were in Egypt in bondage. Uh, and God had sent Moses to tell Pharaoh to let the people go. And they had this back and forth several times. And you remember, God sent plagues. Uh, on the land of Egypt um, to convince Pharaoh to let his people go. And the last, the tenth plague, was the death of the firstborn. And it affected livestock, it affected people. uh, And God said, listen, the the death angel's going to come, but in preparation of that, I want you to go out and I want you to put a mark on your house. I want you to put blood on of uh, this animal, this goat, on the doorpost of your house. And when the death angel sees the blood, he'll pass over. And that curse will not come to that house. Now, even Jewish, uh, if there were Jewish families that didn't do that, they lost the first, there was death of the firstborn in that house too. It was when the death angel came and saw that blood, he passed over. And then God said to Moses and the children of Israel, I want you to have this Passover feast every year to remember how I delivered you and brought you out of the land of Egypt, but also to remind them that they belong to God, that there was only one true God, and they, as a people, belonged to him. And they needed that reminder often, Uh, And so that's the backdrop of uh, this. But the whole purpose of the Passover was not ultimately to remind them of God delivering them out of Egypt. It ultimately was a promise that God was going to send a Redeemer. A Redeemer that was going to come and a redeemer that was going to shed his own sinless blood to pay the sin debt of all the world. Because the Jews knew that goats and sheep and lamb, their blood couldn't take away sin. But it was a, a picture of a, something that was going to be accomplished in the future by the Messiah that God was going to send. And it just so happened. That at this particular Passover, where we read about in Mark chapter 14, Jesus had celebrated 30 or better Passovers. He celebrated Passover every year of his life. For the last three years, he has celebrated it with his disciples. And so, and we know that Jesus came to be, and we've already, it's not spoiling the story, Jesus is that final Passover lamb. He is the Messiah. He is the promised one. And so they're gathering. It's that time of year. And the disciples say, hey, Jesus, it's Passover time. Where are we going to celebrate it this year? And Jesus tells them something very, very odd. And it reminds us of the first thing I want us to talk about this morning is I want us to see in this story the preparation of the plan. That God had a plan that began way back in Genesis chapter 3, when we, he recorded the, the cursing of Adam and Eve, when Adam and Eve uh, sinned, uh, and cur- sin entered the world, and God proclaimed a curse because of sin, and man was separated from God. That happened in Genesis chapter 3. The rest of the Bible onward is the story of how God is bringing redemption and how he's bringing his creation back to its original state where sin does not have dominion, but he does. And so these things that seem to be inconsequential or incidental are all part of God's plan. Even that, he would be, that Jesus, the Messiah, would be betrayed by one of his inner circle, by one of his disciples. We looked at that last week. I mentioned song, uh, the psalm that talked about that, that, the, uh, that uh, he would be betrayed by one of his friends. All of that's coming to pass. So I said, where do you want us to prepare? Because you see, everything that God does, there has to be some stages of preparation done before God does whatever he's going to do. That's just how he works. So we have to understand that, yes, there's a plan, and we have a part to play in that plan, but there's preparation that takes place as God works that plan out. And it's amazing to me, it was amazing to the disciples. Jesus said, hey, I wanna, I'm going to send two of you. Just like he did a few chapters ago. Remember a few chapters ago he said, I want you to go into town and you, when you get to town you're going to find a, an unridden donkey. I want you to get that donkey and I want you to bring him back to me. Well, they did. And Mark tells us we got there and it was just as Jesus said. Well, so now Jesus says, I want you to go to town. And a man is going to come seeking after you, carrying a pot of water. Now This man had this uh, walk with the Lord, and God had told him that he had, was going to send him uh, two disciples of Jesus, and he was to look for them. They got to town, and guess what? This man carrying a pot of water came up to these two disciples and said, I think I'm looking for you. And the disciples said, we think you are too. Lead on. And he brought them to this house, and they were shown this big upper room, the fellowship hall, if you will, a dining area where that Jesus would celebrate the Passover for the last time with his disciples. there had to be some work going ahead of time in order for that man to come seeking after the disciples. Guess what? God had to say to that man, go seek these disciples and bring them to this house. For the Passover feast, it, it is an, an amazing thing. I think this year before Easter, we're going to do it here at our church, uh, a Passover Seder. But in a, a Jewish home, there there is... A, Intensive preparation just to get ready for the Passover celebration, so that everybody comes to your house to eat, but just like today when company's coming, you all want to know ahead of time so that you can get ready because you're probably going to clean up a little extra you're probably going to make sure that you've got a cake made or you know some kind of dessert or that you've got coffee or you know that, uh, you're going to warn the kids and say you better be on your very best behavior. You know, there's preparations that you make, and the you know they had to go through their house and everything that had leaven or yeast in it, they had to throw away. They had to get it out of the house, and not just get it out, but then they would go into the cupboards and stuff, and they would sweep the cupboards and get even the the crumbs out in preparation. So it was a major event, you know. Not just this big meal, but just getting ready for it. So there was preparation that had to be done. But here's the thing. God had it all figured out. And he knew exactly where the pieces needed to be. So he prepared this man beforehand. He prepared this upper room beforehand. And all the disciples had to do was obey Jesus and find it. And then they were able to be a part of what God was going to do as he instituted the Lord's Supper that we're going to observe uh, this morning at the end of our service. So lots of things that God does needs preparation. And here's the thing, he uses common people and common things to get ready for him to do extraordinary and uncommon things. God could make these big elaborate shows Most of the time, he doesn't. Remember when he picked King David? The runt of the litter. That even his own dad didn't think he was worthy enough when uh, the prophet came calling and said, Hey, Jesse, the Lord sent me uh, the next king of Israel after this putt, Saul. uh, uh, He's messed up, and God's going to anoint a new king, and he sent me here because one of your sons. Oh, yeah, I've got a big, strapping, tall, handsome boy. He surely's the one. And Samuel sh- stood before him and said, "No, he's not the one. Do you have no- Oh, yeah, I've got another one. Got the number two. And on they went, and the Lord said, "No, it's not any of these." And Samuel said, "Don't you have any more sons, Jesse?" He said, "Well, I've just got the run out." In the sheep, David, but he's little and scrawny, and he's surely not the one. You remember, Samuel said, Go get him. And when he came, God let Samuel know that David was the one. Well, why did he pick the run of the litter? And by the run of the litter, I'm not saying David was a weakling, or he wasn't. He was brave and strong and uh, scrappy, if you will. The one that he was weak is just he was little and he was the youngest of the crew. Why did God choose him and not that big strapping strong boy? Israel picked Saul because he was head and shoulders taller than everybody else and he was good looking. And people say, oh yeah, that's the king we want. And it was disastrous. And so God said, this time I'm going to pick. And God picked the smallest, most unlikely, so that the people would know what God did through David was God doing it and not David doing it. And I tell you, he works the same way today. And so there's the preparation of the plan, but then secondly, as we read through the story, we find yet again the decisions of the disciples. The disciples chose to obey. Two of them went and they found, they made ready for the other disciples. They celebrated the Passover with with Jesus, including Judas. As you'll see in the spring when we do the Passover, you'll notice it's a long service. That we'll, we'll start early so that we're not here until 9 or 10 at night. But they, and it, it's elaborate, they do, uh, 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 there's several parts of it, and each part and each item in that uh, meal pointed toward, in some way, God's redemptive plan. And so here they are sitting around the Passover table, having eaten lamb and gif- kielte fish, which I don't recommend. Ugh. If we have the we'll, we'll make it, but just get you a little. It'll probably be more than enough for you. Uh, there, you know, the potato and the potatoes were good. There's this apple raisin thing that's really good. Uh, lamb is okay, Depending, not my favorite, but. I've had worse things. So they sat around this table and had this meal. And as they were eating, Jesus said, one of you that's sitting around this table with me is going to betray me. Now, Jesus already knew who it was. It's interesting to me that several of the disciples began to murmur and they became unsettled within themselves and said is it me is it me and jesus said it was it's the one that dips his hand in the bowl with me as judas was dipping his hand with jesus and Matthew, or Mark doesn't record it for us, but the, one of the other Gospels does. Jesus says to Judas, What you have determined to do, go and do it. Now, can I tell you that, that God could have taken Judas out? He could have, even before the meal started, you know, previously when he raised such a fuss about this woman, he could have said, oh, you're out of here, bucko. But he didn't. Because it goes back to God's plan. And even though Judas was doing something ungodly, was all, God knew it was going to take place. And that's how God chose for the Savior of the world to shed his innocent blood that sin demanded was going to be through the betrayal of his son. So the disciples made decisions. They, they came, they worshipped, they, they questioned. And remember, Peter, loudmouth Peter, says, Lord, I am never going to turn my back on you now. Also, remember, this is Peter is Mark's source. It's really the gospel of Peter. And Mark, John Mark is just the one writing it down. Peter does not tell us this in this chapter. But if you've read the other Gospels, you know that Peter makes this declaration, Lord, I will never forsake you. And Jesus said to him, Boy, before the rooster crows in the morning, you will have denied me not just once, but three times. Guess what happened? just like this man showed up with carried a pot of water and led the, these two disciples to the upper room to get the Passover ready, and just like there was a colt waiting inside the city gate, when morning came, P- Peter denied Jesus three times. So always kind of interesting that he leaves that part out of the story. But don't we all... We, we, we leave out the bad parts of our story most of the time. Uh... That we do see Peter's faults, uh, including in the Gospel of Mark. But the disciples had decisions that they had to make. Just like all of us have decisions that we must make. And just as I reminded us last week, I'll remind us again. It's not just deciding to come to church. And it's not deciding that you're going to try to live your life for God. That makes a difference. The difference is deciding that you're going to let Jesus Christ be your Lord and Savior. That's what makes the difference. And when you've decided you're going to make Jesus Christ the Lord of, and your, your Lord and Savior, it changes you and you become new so that your actions are different. But if you're working and trying to change your actions before you are changed and made new, it ain't going to happen. You will fail every single time. I think Judas Judas knew Jesus was who he claimed to be. But I also think Judas liked having power. And he liked being the one that held the purse strings. And that was more important to him than Jesus being Savior and Lord. Peter denied Jesus much, you know, just as bad as Judas did. And yet Peter goes on to be a great leader in the church. Why? Because Peter came to that place where he knew Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and had been given new life. He repented of his wrong and God restored him. And Peter was never again the same. He went on to be a great leader in the church. He didn't go on, by the way, to be pope, but he did go on to be a great leader in the church. And so that was the first odd thing in this Passover meal, but then there's something more important and even more odd, and that's the beauty of the blood. You see, up to the point, That I'm about to talk with, this was just an ordinary Passover supper that they had celebrated with Jesus at least twice before. Everything's gone just the same, just like it always had for their whole life. And then Jesus takes the bread and he blesses it. They do that several times throughout the Passover service. And he blessed it, he said a Hebrew prayer. That was normal. But then he broke it and said this. This is my body broken for you. And that was very different. And the purpose of, as he would break off that, break that bread, he'd break a piece off and he would give each person a piece and he would break another piece off, hand it to the next person, break another piece off, hand it to the next person. As a picture of those celebrating the Passover receiving the blessing of God. And then Jesus took the cup, which as you'll see when we celebrate, they got kind of tipsy by the end of the Passover service because they had several cups of wine that they had to drink. They go through four cups. This was an additional cup that Jesus institutes. He said, this is the cup of the new covenant. This cup is the the blood that I'm going to shed for the remission of sin. He said, I'm not going to drink of this cup again until I come back a second time to bring in my kingdom. What on earth? The disciples didn't realize it when Jesus was talking to them. They would realize it later on, after Easter morning had happened. And after the day of Pentecost happened, they realized, I think, just exactly what Jesus was talking about and the importance of what he was doing. But what Jesus was teaching and reminding them and what Jesus reminds us when we celebrate the Lord's Supper is this, that it's only by the blood that mankind has any hope of new life. But through the blood, we're assured, not just hoping, but assured of new life. And Fred, because Jesus did shed his blood, and we'll, we'll look at the end of the story in a couple of weeks as we get to the later chapters. But Jesus is beginning to unpack this at the Passover meal. What he would accomplish the next day. And then a promise that he was coming back again. See, he tells him here, between the lines, say, you know what, I'm going to go away, but I'm coming back again. I'm not going to celebrate this Passover again until I come back. So as uh, Brother George and... Bill, come as we prepare to receive the Lord's Supper this morning. Do we see the beauty of the blood? Do we appreciate the decisions that we have to make as God's people? Do we understand the importance of the preparation? Of what God would have. Let's take just a moment. Just where you are. Let's just pray together. You just reflect on what God has done for you. Would you for just a moment? That night, as they celebrated the Passover, Jesus took bread, he broke it, and blessed it. Remember that this is the Lord's table. It's not First Real Baptist table. It's not uh, Pearl's table. It is the Lord's table. And all God's people uh, you know, can celebrate together, we welcome you to participate with us. But he blessed it, took an eight. So we're going to ask you, as they pass out the bread, Hold the peace till everybody's got one, uh, and then we'll eat together. Bill, ask the blessing on the bread for us, please. Father, we do thank you for this, Lord, as as you have instructed us to do this, Lord. Lord, that this was your body that you broke for us, Lord God. We are undeserving of it. We thank you, Holy God, that you did that. Forgive us where we fail you, Lord, and thank you so much. Please bless this, Lord God, in remembrance of you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. body of Christ broken for you let's eat remembrance of him then Jesus lifted up the cup and prayed again said this is the blood of the new covenant that I shed for you for the remission of sin so often as you do this do it in remembrance of me Brother George, ask the blessing on. And again, hold it until everybody's been served and we'll drink together. Brother George. blood of Christ shed for you, for the You said, let's drink in remembrance of him. Uh, verse 26 of that chapter, we didn't read it, says this. They sang a hymn, and went out together uh, the man of Olives. So let's stay, let's... Uh, Sing our uh, closing hymn of response. Guess, uh, we'll sing Acapulco this morning, Miss Edwin. Uh, and uh, Celeste's going to lead us off. And Blessed be the tie that binds. And Brother Steve dismiss us in prayer, please, after we sing.